This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends, and welcome back to the Yob ConvoCast Enneagram Edition as we turn the final bend, you guys. We are in the home stretch of these episodes um, as we leave the heart triad far behind. We leave the messy explosions of our heart behind us with the twos, threes, and fours. Onward to the head triad of five, six, and seven. And really today's guest, I'm so glad he said yes, even though he like knows nothing about the Enneagram. Or maybe not, maybe nothing isn't the right word, but maybe it's just not as much as the others. But I'll let him explain his level of acumen with the Enneagram. You've heard him many times before on the Yobcast. He's our beloved um, neighbor up north from the <laughs> frozen tundra. His name is Will. What's up, Will? You know, it's not a frozen tundra right now. Um, it is It is summertime. Alberta is not like frozen. We're in the throes of summer. <laughs> but it's good to be here. It's not perpetually frozen, but it's it's frozen in our hearts. So <laughs> That sounds so worse. That. I know, I know, yeah. Well, you are, you are an Enneagram 5, right? Is that the rumor on the street? Through and through. Um, okay. I, I haven't looked at the Enneagram in ages, and I'm supremely uninterested in the Enneagram, but I am a five. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. It's not that you don't necessarily know about it. Like, I think you know a little bit, but I mean, you're going to be on the show today, so hopefully you know something. But um, supremely uninterested. That's And I think that is a... Um, that is a line that I think has resonated because I can think of at least one five in my life who would agree with that. And then I kind of just doing my own research on fives. That's kind of the vibe I get is like if there's any one type on the Enneagram that's kind of against the Enneagram more than any other type, it's either the fours or the fives because either the fours just want to be their own unique thing that stands outside the box of the of this system Um or the fives, because by definition, you are trying to understand everything. And if there's something about it that isn't completely, uh, it doesn't completely jive with you or it feels off a little bit, like maybe you don't fully trust it or fully lean into it or something. I don't well, know. Yeah, like there's a whole bunch of things. Like even doing this recording is weird for me because normally I only speak on things I feel like I have a decent, <laughs> competent knowledge about. And here I am like... Like I have no competent knowledge, uh, and, uh, nor do I care to. So that's a weird <laughs> thing. Uh, but I, I think a, a part of it too, is there is a bit of subjectivity to, to the Enneagram, which isn't a bad thing. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm also interested in like massive, like philosophical movements and how that kind of plays into things. So I, I keep on trying to place the Enneagram within that broader context as well. And it, it's, yeah, so that's a whole long answer to <laughs> you know. It's it's so funny how you said that comment about um, being on this podcast because you don't feel fully qualified or fully understanding of it or however you phrased it. Because I often we'll get to it when I get to the comments, but somebody commented something bizarrely similar to that. I don't, and you said you told me right before recording that you haven't read any of the comments, any of the Yabber's no. feedback. So. I'm gonna. I look forward to your feedback on that one. And and it's interesting that I uh, have a weird relationship with Enneagram because I, if I remember correctly, it does nail me to a T. Like okay, so 
So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna pull back the curtain on Will Cooper and see see who is this man before us. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to dive into it. Um, as we continue with this series, just remember, y'all, the Enneagram is one of many things we are using just to to better ourselves, to understand ourselves better, to understand other people, other men, and especially other men in our community as we've been going around this series. If um, if you've missed any of the episodes or if you missed the the, the one that started it all, we did an Enneagram Yobcast, um, go ahead and give that a listen and get kind of the lowdown, get the 411 on, on the series. And if any of the episodes we've talked about have resonated with you, um, or you have some thoughts to share as either someone who identifies as one of those types or or knows somebody who identifies as one of those types and you have a perspective to lend from the outside, um, go over to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. We would love to hear more and more stories. Thanks to all the yobbers who have provided feedback. Um, it's been such a joy just to, I've been telling people like this has been a great series because I am such an Enneagram nerd and it's been very satisfying just to, to geek out with people. Um, but beyond that, like, this whole series has been so fun because we get to meet, um, we get to reacquaint ourselves with people like Will and people like Ryan, but then we also get to meet a lot of new people too, um, as you guys have heard in our recent episodes. So I've just been super blessed by it. Thanks to all who have shared either by coming on the show or by submitting feedback in our community. Um, so the Enneagram 5, they go by the investigator or the intellectualist. I'm sure you like that name maybe in particular. Um, their primary passion or vice is avarice, which is a big fancy word for greed. So if that comes up throughout the conversation, Will Cooper, tell us, telling us how greedy you can be or the tendency of greed or avarice, this desire to withhold all the things to yourself, please sprinkle that in. I'm, I'm such a greedy person through and through. Like, <laughs> you know, pastors, we are greedy. <laughs> so fitting that you are a pastor. <laughs> no. So avarice, we won't touch on it too much, but we've been having great Zoom calls. That's a little shout out to our Patreon community because we're having Zoom calls um, where we don't necessarily talk about the Enneagram, but we talk about the vices of the types right now. Um, so around this recording, we're going to be talking about the the vice or the passion of avarice. Excited to hear how um, how that lands with our with our community. Um, so as I mentioned, this is the first of three types in the head triad. These are types that rely on intellectual intelligence compared with um, the heart triad relying on emotional intelligence and the gut triad relying on intuitive intelligence. So that's a little setup for how these next three types are very similar as far as being headier people compared to compared to the other types. Was is would you feel like that's accurate that you're a heady person? Yeah, it's funny because like I sort of describe myself that way, but I don't always think of myself as heady, but if you talk to anybody around me, they will say I'm heady. Uh, I've seen so. I've seen multiple walls of bookshelves in Zoom backgrounds where I've talked to you and visited you in in the flesh. So I yeah, not that I don't books have, make a man heady, but I don't have my bookshelf behind me right now. I'm not at my office, but I do have like books and piles around my you do. desk yeah. here. And uh, oh, right here, I have a book on Christian philosophy um, on my typewriter. Be careful. Um, be careful as you're as you're moving around because you might bump into a book. That's that's kind of how it is with you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's that's pretty watch accurate. Out, watch out for all the stacks of books around. Um, here's how I, I should have mentioned at the top. All of our information, as always, comes from truity.com and also enneagramgift.com. All the descriptions that I'll read off here today. So here's how Truity puts the Enneagram Five. 
Fives are defined by their desire to conserve their energy and to avoid being drained by engagement with the outside world. They focus on being knowledgeable and competent so that they can be as self-sufficient as possible. Fives enjoy deepening their understanding of the world, expanding their intellect, while minimizing their physical and relationship needs. How does that sit with you? I, I almost said a bad word uh, because oh, no. <laughs> uh, that, that sits a little bit too closely. Uh. Okay, well, we're on the right track then. That's that's always my advice to people with the Enneagram is go where it hurts. Like people who are trying to figure out their type, they don't know if they're one of this one or this one, like keep reading, keep digging. And like when it starts to get uncomfortable, you, you're onto something. <laughs> Now, the the interesting thing is, like, I think people often put fives, I guess, in the smart uh, camp. I actually don't consider myself smart. I consider myself unendingly curious. Like, uh, I am never satisfied uh, with any amount of information. Like, I never, I never got good grades in school and that sort of thing. But I'm just obsessed with learning more so there's there's that part in minimizing other things um now physical activity i do like to to ride my bike anthony uh quite a bit and mm, so shout out to anthony yeah he's he's here somewhere um and cycling is is my favorite thing to favorite thing to do uh but i try to have a very minimal life though. Even like the amount of possessions I have possessions stress me out. Like I try to, uh, um, minim, like have a sort of minimalist lifestyle. Um, even, even my bike is a fixed gear bike. Uh, uh so a minimal bike. Um, and so I'm very into that. I deeply enjoy relationships. I need relationships, but if people want to I don't know, schedule something last minute or like interrupt my life uh, to, to hang out. Uh, that's really difficult for me. Um, mm. Though I don't mind interrupting other people's lives saying. <laughs> yeah, that's so fascinating because I was just thinking as you're talking about a minimalist lifestyle and I've been to your home, like it's fairly minimal and I, I, I you have a very nice home there. And the the whole, the whole going back to the passion, like having avarice, like I've, I've noticed this in conversations with fives. So I listen to a lot of podcasts about the Enneagram or, or just hear about fives in, in person. Like a lot of them would resonate with that, that they don't necessarily feel like a greedy person or feel like they just hoard stuff, like physical stuff. It's more about the time and like the information that those things are more precious to you than any, any type of physical belongings or things that you could stockpile your apartment or your home with. It's more about your time, your energy, um, where you put where you put those things? That's kind of an interesting thing that you that you put the nail on the yeah. head right there. Well, and learning like really relaxes and comforts me. So, like I guess mm. some people would find comfort in the possessions that they have. Uh, for me, if I need an escape, I I am in a book um, or like uh, trying to gain information somehow, um, and so it can be an unhealthy an unhealthy thing at times, but and. Out of all the things that people could escape with, uh, me grabbing my uh, book on Old Norse is, you know, a safe way to escape. 
I would say, yeah, you're escaping in a good way. <laughs> I could rattle off lots of other ways. Others, including myself, have escaped. So we'll That's just... Better than my cigarettes, which uh, mm. uh, Tom experienced back in the day when I was a smoker. So um, I experienced yeah. I experienced chain smoker, Will, but we've left we've left him behind, right? He's he's far, oh, far thank, in the rearview mirror. Thankfully, I okay. still feel bad for you that every 45 minutes uh, I had to take a break to have a smoke. So... Um, was it 45? Was it like 20? <laughs> hey, it was 45. It probably felt like 20, 40. Okay, okay. I'll give you the benefit of it now. Um, the Truity studies that they've done, because they, they surveyed 54,000 people, and these are always interesting. They usually hover around 10% like per type, you know, that, you know, give or take a few percentage points. But um, the way they break down males and females is interesting. So in their study of 54,000 respondents, type fives were found to make up approximately 10% of the population. Type fives being much more common among men, making up only 7% of women compared to 14% of men. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like an inverse of the two because we did the two a few episodes ago and I think those numbers were basically flipped to where it was around 15% women and maybe seven or eight percent men, something something of that nature. So, so in many ways, statistically, at least compared to this truity study, the five is kind of the inverse of the two in the sense that there's about twice as many male fives as female fives, which is interesting. And we have a few fives in our community. Um, going back to our Yobcast on the Enneagram, it's about seven to nine percent of our community, depending on our very unscientific Facebook and Discord polls. But it gets it gives us a starting point. Um, so it's not the most by any means, but it's also not the least. There's a there's a decent smattering of you guys, and we, like I said, we had some feedback. So I'm excited to read the feedback and hear um, hear how you guys are all similar, or how you would tweak some things based on based on these categories. Um, as we go through motivations, fear, stress, and security. So going to the core motivation of the five, Will Cooper, fives are motivated by a desire to be competent and possess a strong understanding of their environment. This motivation drives them to a nearly constant state of learning and knowledge accumulation. And what, what was the phrase you used? Something about curiosity, endlessly curious. Is that how you, yeah. is that how you put it? So that's that tracks with me. That sounds That sounds very good. Um, I'm curious how how this endless curiosity resonates in the realms of masculinity, sexuality, and how you connect with other men. Um, let's read some feedback and then we'll get your thoughts, Will. Someone said this, I would tweak these motivations by saying that I am not always motivated by accumulating knowledge per se, but there is a motivation to possess an adequate understanding of something or someone before I feel I can fully engage. And so here we go, Will. This was the comment I was referring to earlier. For example, I was hesitant even to give a response here because I don't think often about the Enneagram. I don't feel confident responding because I lack the competence of one who is well-versed in the nuances of the Enneagram types and how they affect real life. When it comes to my sexuality, I think being a five means that sometimes I will fail to recognize or simply ignore feelings for another guy. Sometimes I will over-intellectualize my feelings. The main thing though, is that I access my feelings through my mind. That doesn't always mean I'm over-intellectualizing them. It just might mean that thinking through what, how, and why I am feeling is how I engage and experience my feelings more deeply. When it comes to relating with other men, I'm usually attracted to people who can at least think on the same wavelength as me. That's not to say they have to be as smart as me or interested in the same niche subjects, but they have to be able to engage my thoughts with interest and empathy and understanding. We don't have to have a vibrant emotional connection as the point of initial attraction, but I will grow to share my emotions with them once I feel that I have 
that I have an understanding of who they are and who we are together. It's like I have to think with them before I feel with them. Oh my. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I really resonate with, with that. Mm. Um, I think a key word in there is nuance. Uh, fives, we do tend to nuance everything. Um, like uh, we, we care about the, the details. Um, uh, but yeah, just the, the end part there of the, like, of course I'm attracted to the, the physically hot guys like Anthony Borowski and whatnot. But <laughs> what I'm really like, normally that actually isn't a struggle for me. I'm like, oh, there's a hot guy, whatever. But man, when I have an intellectual connection with a guy, like it's, oh, I, yeah, I would like give anything just to hang out with them as much as I can. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's something that I find very important. And they don't have to be like an outright geek, somebody who is thoughtful, um, but it does, it does uh, help. Like one of my good friends, uh, he always makes the joke that I would go side A if I meet an Icelandic guy who knows mm. theology. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> Stay away from Iceland, Will. Stay away. <laughs> oh, I love studying their history and the um, Reformation and post-Reformation period of the uh, Icelandic Lutheran Church. But anyway, uh, that's, you know, uh, someone someone listening right now in Iceland just perked up as they turned the volume <laughs> up. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a big uh, uh, crowd of people who listen to this. I'll have to check the stats and see how much Icelandic uh, listenership we have. Surely there's been one, one person. I don't know. We'll see. You know, if you're that one person, um, let us know. <laughs> Please, we need to hear from you. If you're listening from Iceland right now, send Will Cooper or send me an email. Send it somewhere. <laughs> comment, comment on the blog, etc. But uh, yeah, uh, intellectual connection though, I just find to be incredibly important. Yeah, I will enjoy long conversations of two in the morning about some obscure theology or philosophy, and life is good. Life is so good. I love that. That's such an interesting thing about how you how you connect, how you relate. Um, someone else said this, I can relate to the core motivator and especially the need to be and feel competent because that gives me a sense of security. Growing up in an alcoholic home, everyone counted on me for all kinds of things. Caring for siblings, running the home when mom was sick, and assisting my siblings with their academics. Since I was very young, I found ways to escape from all my responsibilities, the emotional demands of others and the world by escaping into my head through intellectual pursuits. Hobbies such as creating collections of things, rocks, insects, shells, stamps, sports cards, which I would organize, categorize, and label. My family indulged my interest because they thought it was unique. I also spent hours in my room reading and researching all kinds of books, all kinds of topics in books and encyclopedias. Teachers often told my parents that I had, quote unquote, my head in the clouds. I always very strong, I was always very strong in academics and excelled in university. Most people's averages went down significantly at university. Mine went up. However, it was at this time that my own needs started to surface where I couldn't ignore them or shelve them as I was very prone to do. Even though I've always been quite sensitive, I usually hid my feelings. How about you, Will Cooper? Do you have any interesting collections as a kid? <laughs> well, you collect typewriters now, right? I collect typewriters. There you go. My first typewriter was probably in grade five. Um, wow. Something like that. And so, and that was a 1921 Smith Corona. Uh, beautiful, beautiful typewriter. 
uh, but books, I was consumed with books and I still am that, um, I love, yeah, I love just the feel of books, the look of books and just spending all my time reading those. So that, that was my collection, I would say. Yeah. That's so interesting. How do you resonate with that statement about feelings, like feeling sensitive, but like hiding your feelings or, or detaching from them? Does that sit with you or, or would you differ in some way? Oh, I've, that really, yeah, that really sits with me. Um, I've gotten better with that. Like I, I think I've gotten more, uh, become more self-aware of like, like my feelings and whatnot and able to express those better. But I would always, um, uh, use, use my, uh, quirks, uh, my, yeah, weirdness of like the things I wanted to study and whatnot as an escape from my emotions that, mm. and a lot of it too, I think this is where it really plays in with sexuality is I didn't know how to deal with my emotions that revolved around me being attracted to other guys. And, um, I didn't know how to process that. And so I kept on just, um, trying to, um, think away of those emotions and, uh, try to, uh, suppress that as much as I could. And that just led to disastrous (laughs) results in, in many ways, uh, yeah, but I, it doesn't work. I've realized to try to intellectualize your emotions, but I, I would always do that. Yeah, no, it makes it makes total sense. Let's read this last one about motivations before we take the fun slide into fears. Um, this last one says this: I really resonate with the need to understand one's environment. I really enjoy learning and enjoyed the eight years I was in school. And I'm weighing my options about getting additional schooling, even though I grew up in a community where additional schooling is generally discouraged or at least not encouraged. I don't really have a desire to be competent other than I don't want to look dumb, but I may be a five wing six because I'm quite cautious and tend to always have a plan B and usually a plan C and like mapping out my plans in advance. I enjoy experiencing new things and traveling, but I much prefer having someone that's done it before and can guide me or else I obsessively study ahead so I'm not completely in the dark about what's happening. So that in the moment, I can enjoy the new thing and not feel dumb for feeling clueless. So that's an interesting statement. Not necessarily a desire to be competent, just not to look dumb. And I've heard I've heard it said that if you're gonna invite a five onto a podcast, I mean, you're, you're here and I feel like we have enough of a foundation, Will, where we've been friends for a while that you jumped right into this. But in general, I think that's kind of the, the gist of it is that a five wants to go into a situation as prepared as humanly possible to like know, like, what are we talking about or what's the layout of this function or what, what's going to happen so that you're, you know, at the very least not looking dumb, but at the, you know, hopefully most you're, you're competent or deemed competent as well, right? Oh yeah. I do not want to look dumb. <laughs> and especially being on a stage with a pulpit and a congregation well, in front of you. Yeah. Like it, it, it really is such a silly thing. Like I, I totally recognize that. Like people don't, don't value smartness as, as much as I do. Uh, but yeah, that definitely plays into my work quite a bit because amount of time um, I spend preparing a sermon and digging into that or preparing for the Sunday service in general, or like just, I, 
I try my hardest to be as prepared as possible um, and have as controlled of an environment as possible. That mm-hmm. is incredibly important to me. So ad-libbing from a sermon, not my thing. Like I'm <laughs> too afraid I'm going to say something that will get me in trouble. Uh, so everything is very uh, scripted and constructed. Yeah. So no improv, no improv sermons. <laughs> Because I'm going to make a gay joke and get really yeah. <laughs> in trouble. And it's, uh, that's, yeah. that's totally understandable. And he touched on that comment. He, he sprinkled in a little Enneagram nerdery by mentioning five wings, six. I've always found the fives wings. We won't dive into wings in this conversation because that's too deep. But, um, I always found the fives position on the Enneagram very fascinating and the fours too for that, for that matter. Um, because I'm a four wing five. I don't know if you know what wing you identify as or where you would put it. It, if I remember correctly, a wing four. A wing four. I, th- I thought so. Yeah, yeah. And so the five, if you know the Enneagram diagram, you know, it starts with nine at the top and then it kind of dials around. And so the four and five are right next to each other and they border that like that border between the heart and the head. Um, I identify as a four wing five. You identify as a five wing four. And so there is this like messy. I've always felt this. Um, kind of this messy relationship between the head and the heart. And when I've been in friendship with other fives, I've kind of seen, it almost feels like a weird mirror image. Like we're sort of seeing the same thing, but sort of in a flip-flopped way. It's hard to put into words, but um, but that relationship between the head and the heart is um, is very interesting as the fours lean so more more so on the heart, the, the fives more so on the head. Um, but if they they have a wing in those types, then they, they kind of share... Um, some sort of perspective in in the head and the heart too. Yeah, like I definitely see that. Like I'm a, a highly emotional person. Um, I, I think the struggle I have is being comfortable with my emotions. Right. Um, and so it's, it is a weird spot to be in when you're like a very heady person, but you have uh, all these emotions are going on and it can just take a lot to process. But I've learned to, I've learned to really value my emotions and lean into them in the past couple of years. Yeah, the hope I think with this conversation is if if people were going to make stereotypes for all the types which we inevitably do, I think that the tendency or the 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 thing I've noticed is that we make the fives like the robots or the people with no feelings. They're just like, they love books and they love typewriters and they love stamp collections and they love all that stuff. But um but yeah, there's there's a podcaster named Ian Cron, and he's written a, he's written books, and he talks about the Enneagram a lot. But he's gone on record saying that the fives are the most misunderstood type on the Enneagram because I think that's what people think that they're they're so smart or they're so intellectual or they're so competent, and and that therefore emotions just aren't either aren't a thing or they're very manageable and they just they just don't see the layers of of the five and so um also a shout out to sleeping at last's music sleeping at last is a is a musical artist his name is ryan and he he put out this album a while ago about the anagram and there all the songs are on our heart of a brother playlist if you go to the your other brothers youtube channel you'll find the playlist there and i think the link is in the description too but um but the five i think is my favorite song because the first like three minutes of the song like it's like literally the first half of the song is just instrumental it's just like violins and pianos and it just kind of it feels like you're just wandering into someone's mind and just kind of drifting before the lyrics finally come on like two minutes three minutes into the song i found i found that one personally the most beautiful of the nine that he wrote but um but that's a shout out to to the the enneagram songs which you can find on the heart of her brother playlist let's go to the deepest fear of the enneagram five 
Fives fear being overwhelmed by their own needs and the needs of others. To cope with this fear, they withdraw from relationships and maintain a minimalist lifestyle. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> Focusing on the intellectual as an escape from the demands of the world. It's funny that you haven't look, looked at any of this because you just you just said YOLO. <laughs> so it's funny that you've already touched on two or three things that have come up in the reading. It's very spooky. It's very eerie. Yeah, this is why I don't trust Enneagram. I mean, maybe it's... <laughs> It's too close to home here. <laughs> it's not. It's not witchcraft. I promise you. It's just. It's just. There's patterns. There's patterns in how people see the world. So, uh, let's read some comments and get your thoughts on them. Um, someone said this. I can relate. In my early to mid twenties, I got into a codependent relationship, clinging to another guy that I had met. He eventually freed himself of me through the intervention of his parents, and I quickly found another to replace him. And this time, the relationship also became sexual. I was never happy in either of these relationships because I was not happy with myself. I knew I was gay and I eventually came out during this time and began counseling and group therapy. I was very selfish during this period because I was extremely depressed and could not cope with all my needs and feelings. Over time, I developed the skills I needed to cope with my feelings in a healthy way and I learned to develop healthy, mutually supportive relationships. I learned to use my mind to help me solve problems rather than to escape from them. I can still use my mind to pursue objects of intellectual curiosity to enrich my life and the lives of others rather than to escape. Though it's still sometimes an escape, but a healthy one. So I like how he put it, this, this concept of escape and problem solving. Like sometimes we all need escapes, like healthy Netflix binges or or hikes into the woods or whatever whatever escape looks like for you. But but I really like how he put that, like the 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 switch between just escaping all the time to solving whatever the problem is, using that mind hmm. of yours. I remember when I first realized that I was gay, um, or like put words to it or, or something like that. Um, I remember writing down in my journal that my goal is to solve the gay problem in my life. Like, <laughs> which it's interesting because looking back at it, I'm like, well, there was nothing to solve. Uh, but I was so obsessed with like, this is a problem. I need to find a solution to it. Um, and that that is the way my brain works. I tend to work in a more abstract sense. I have a deep love for philosophy. So I love to look at thought movements um, that really influence our culture and the the way we think, um, like the uh, sort of social imaginaries that we have, and so I, um, I I care very deeply about that, and I I try to use those things to analyze our current situation. Um, I I love looking at the LGBTQ movement, the modern movement, and how the that the thought um, within that movement has developed over time. Um, so I still have that uh, sort of problem-solving mindset uh, that I try to look at the problems that we see within culture or the LGBTQ community um, and look at ways to solve those problems. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes we're kind of arrogant and out of touch as fives, though. Like we we think we can solve the problems, and most of the time we can't. And uh, when we think we've solved the problem, uh, we were just so out of touch with the world around us that we solved the wrong problem. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah, so it is it is a very interesting aspect, but that is a, a deep part of my life is constantly trying to solve problems. Yeah. Yeah, it's what's fun about this. It hasn't come up in every single conversation we've had in this series, but um processing sexuality growing up, I love how you put it to solve the gay problem and that that fits such with the five, the the lens of the five. Like um like we've had Jesse the one talk about needing to clean himself up um to be orderly, to be presentable. Um similar vibes with the three and similar vibes um, even with the four to an extent of like feeling like this thing inside of me is flawed. Um, and so it's really interesting how we all approach our sexuality growing up. And it's very similar, similar language around the Enneagram, but um, just kind of with a unique take on how you see the world and how you, what you're motivated by, um, which is really, really fascinating. But looking back at it, that, that sort of thing did mess me up quite a bit too, because like, uh, um, it was that sort of thinking that kind of, that really attracted me to like Exodus International and those organizations when I was in high school, because I'm like, like kind of the way they packaged it, at least at that time was like, oh, here's the problem. We have the cure. Like it, it was yeah. almost like, like, oh, other people have come up with the solution, um, uh, for me. And so, but the interesting thing is is like after like a couple of years with exodus like i felt like i lost my faith entirely and what i did in response is i went to bible college to try to understand my faith again like i didn't mm. <laughs> like i took a very intellectual always, approach always solving problems will cooper <laughs> <laughs> well and every time i have an existential crisis i go back to school uh, and uh, <laughs> And that's still the case because I went back to school like this yeah, past you're in school. September and, uh, and so I'm still in school. <laughs> Look at you. You'll be in school till the, till the end of time, I think, as long as I've known you, but that's yeah, fine. May, that's maybe great. I'll be a professor one day, a pastor, professor mix. Like I, I'd be all for that. Pastor, professor, Indiana Jones. We need, <laughs> we need, we need the Christian Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could go yeah you could go i could see it i could see the vibe um let's read the last one about fears he says this definitely resonate with fearing being overwhelmed even though i have more contingency plans in place and equally financially comfortable compared to my friends i am by far the one that the most that's the most concerned about the future i don't necessarily withdraw from relationships but i do keep them at arm's length sometimes for example, I have a group of close friends, but I don't always hang out with them because I want to do something else. And I love internet friends because I can easily compartmentalize them and share quite a bit with them without any one of them becoming too close. And you were touching on that a little bit earlier too, about like, you don't mind interrupting other people's plans, but people interrupting yours is, is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> and and I am scared of people getting too close. Like I... Mm. I, I have a constant like fear that like people will reject me the more they know me. So it's like, I, I like to have multiple friends, friend groups. I keep at arm's length. So if like, like if I notice a foundation shrinking with one group of friends, I have this other group of friends I can go to. Like, so mm -hmm. you, you have the, the contingency plans with, with friends as well. Um, but I, I think I've grown with that as as well in the past couple of years of learning to let people in. That's that's worth the 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 fear there. Um, 
but it's it's tough for me. Yeah. How do you feel about um, all these different circles or all these different friends groups or family? Like, how would you feel about like if you had a birthday party or some some sort of gathering and you had people from all spheres of your life there? Would that would that be comfortable to you or would that be like your worst kit? Oh, nightmare? that would stress me out so much. <laughs> the com- the compartmentalizing, that that's a word that I've heard come up with fives. It's like you want things to be right where they're supposed to be. Don't exactly. mix them <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, makes why, sense. why is this? Because I'm not hiding anything. Normally, like, is I think like for some people when they uh, have their sort of groups it's like they want to hide parts of themselves and Mm. that's not so much of that for me i'm not hiding anything but i i don't want the groups to mix it's like the food on my plate i don't want the various foods to mix i want them to stay in their spots (laughs) and uh, so on thanksgiving you're just going you're that could be a worst case scenario you hopefully have a large enough plate or ideally one of those plates with the little sections on the on the plate so you can put things in the right place. Yeah. yeah unless if the foods are supposed to mix like uh, mashed potatoes and gravy that that's supposed uh, to mix. So I'm fine yeah. with that mixing. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do Canadian Thanksgiving or how that compares with American Thanksgiving. It's basically the same. We just have it at the proper time of year, the proper time. <laughs> it's more of an autumnal experience versus like a, a winter is coming experience. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's go to stress. Will, and then I promise we'll, we'll, we'll take the upturn to security as we, oh, we, as we better navigate the lows of this type. <laughs> um, so fives and stress, super fun. They go to seven, which is the enthusiast. We haven't had that conversation yet, but sevens are just like the firecrackers, the, the fun people, the storytellers. Um, those are, that's, so this feels like a positive direction to me, but let me explain, let me explain what the five does in this situation. During periods of stress, fives tend to take upon themselves qualities of sevens, including exhibiting clingy traits. These attributes arise out of their need for safety. Stress causes fives to become distracted quickly and disorganized. They also become more condescending and frivolous. Fives become very selfish and self-concerned during high stress situations. So you've mentioned smoking as one outlet for this. How, when you're in stress, Will, um, yeah, in general, how does that affect your life? But then if you can think of anything in the realms of sexuality and masculinity during your times of high stress, how have you exhibited those seven like tendencies? Oh, I am horribly clingy when I'm stressed out. Like it's, uh, um, like, like when it, in the world of masculinity, um, like I feel very comfortable with my masculinity and I feel very comfortable with, with other guys. And it's just like, so for me, it is like just being with other people when I'm super stressed and, uh, um, and which isn't a bad, of course, like being with people is not a bad thing, but it can turn pretty unhealthy. Um, where I can notice uh, me adding stress to other people's lives. And that's that's something that I try to be aware of. But my house right now is a complete mess. Uh, like I, I've been so busy, so stressed with life recently that like everything is a mess and that's not normal for me. Things just kind of get out of control. Um, and, uh, when I'm stressed out, I watch anime. That's uh, a very unhealthy <laughs> thing. Uh, oh no. Will's watching anime again. It's Check like, the Netflix oh, no, I'm, I'm watching demon slayer. Like that's, that's mm. kind of, 
Shout out to the anime anime boys listening. I know they're out there. <laughs> so it's, but it is either I get super clingy or I separate myself from everybody. That's, uh, um, yeah. So that's that's not that's not good. Some of the coping mechanisms though I have have gotten way healthier over the years. Like I've always go for a bike ride every time I'm stressed. So like that's still separating myself from people, but that's a very good and healthy activity to do. Yeah. And sevens, like we, I try to get this across when we go through these sections, but stress isn't a bad thing. It's just how do we respond to the stress? Cause we're all going to go through times of stress in our lives. Um, and so even that as an example, like, you know, sevens, we haven't gotten to that conversation yet, but sevens just love to do stuff. They love to go on adventures. They love to constantly keep busy. So even by, by that definition of you doing something like you're getting out of your head, you're getting on, you're hopping on a bicycle, you're hopping on Anthony, you're taking Anthony out and you and Anthony are going on an adventure. And that's, that's part of you going into seven stress as well in, um, in a more positive sense, because you're, you're doing something instead of your isolating or letting chaos take over you know now i don't know if this is a seventh thing but also like when i'm super stressed i have no filter um mm. and uh i am i'm not mean to people but i i have a bit of a cynical satirical side to me that really yeah, comes out uh when when i'm stressed and in some ways i'm actually probably funnier uh, more humorous at those moments like it, some people might enjoy me more at those moments. Uh, I was going to say, can you, can you book it in advance for Yobcast appearances when you're in those places? Cause I love that. I love feisty, sarcastic. Yeah. Ha you have know. you experienced uh, the feisty version? Oh of yeah. Me? I'm sure. I'm sure either on recordings or in real life, but I, <laughs> I don't mind it. I love, I kind of like a dark sense of humor or, um, this isn't about me. This isn't about what I like, but that's, that's so interesting about you and the five. Cause I've known other fives who would probably answer similar, similarly. Um, one, one point of feedback on the stress before we go to security. Um, he said this, and we have, some, we have some divergence, so let's read it. Here I diverge and I don't really resonate. I sure hope I don't get clingy. In fact, I think I tend to withdraw more likely. I identify much more closely with this description from Integrative 9. I don't know what that is, but shout out to Integrative Nine. Um, and he quoted them. He sa it says this, at their worst, others may experience a five as stingy, intellectually arrogant, and disconnected from their heart as they retreat into their mind to avoid being engulfed or intruded on. How does that sit with you? Because I think this person identifies as a wing six um, as he's responded to a couple of these things, which is slightly, slightly different take on the five versus a wing four. Um, this more of a withdrawing stance. So I don't know. I don't know how that sits with you. I was curious. Yeah, that doesn't really sit with me all that well. And me being a wing four, that that makes sense. Um, because like, like I I tend to like go into my emotions when I like isolate myself. Gotcha. Like it's um, like I don't know if you're uh, familiar with the works of Soren Kierkegaard. But uh, like, you know, I think Kierkegaard was quoted or referenced in one of our book club entries, and I felt very smart for reading it, whatever that was. But I can't even think about it about the top of my head. Yeah. So he's he's like my guy. Like if he yeah. if he was around today and gay, I might go side A. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
<laughs> You're going side A for Icelandic theologians and for Kierkegaard, modern day Kierkegaard's? Uh, well, wow. And actually, Kierkegaard was a Danish philosopher, so close enough okay. to Iceland. So I okay, guess it's yeah. the Scandinavian group of people. You're you're in the you're in the wrong country, Will Cooper. How did you get to Canada? You need you need to hop across the yeah the ocean over there. There, there we go. Um, now Soren Kierkegaard, he was a highly intellectual person, one of the greatest philosophers and theologians of all time. But he is known for being very emotional and subjective. Um, like I think people like I don't know. If you'd classify Kierkegaard as a five, I struggle with like like looking at people who lived in the past and putting them in a category. But uh, I don't think fives are objective all the time. It's not like we go into logic and reason and um, um, like have that very formulaic approach. Um, I think there is a subjective side to us where our emotions really influence our intellect. And uh, Soren Kierkegaard is known uh, for for having his emotions within his philosophical and theological works. Um, and uh, that's very much me. I very resonate with that. Wow. You know, if any of our Enneagram podcasts were going to have a Kierkegaard reference, I'm so, of course it came on the five episode. Why wouldn't it? You know, we needed that, <laughs> we needed that evidence that this is a five talking. So thank you. Thank you for showing us. Um, lastly, before we get to the end of this show, fives and security, which is another interesting jump. Fives go to eight, the challenger during times of security. Um, so here's what that description entails. During periods of growth, and security fives may begin to take on qualities of eights. They may focus on positive change and making a difference in the world around them while supporting the efforts of others as well. And that's the beautiful thing about eights. You know, that's what kicked off this whole series talking to Matthew, who is an eight, a very just large and in charge personality. Like, you know, him when he enters the room or when he speaks on the podcast, he just kind of has this authoritative presence about him. Um, but the beauty, the beauty of the eight, it's not that they're not a bully. I mean, they can be, they can be bullies, but the beautiful part about being an eight is just the ability to rally a group of people around you and the ability to, to take all that energy, to take that presence, um, to affect positive change. And so you'll notice a lot of leaders of nonprofits or a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of, a lot of pastors for that matter, identify as an eight. Um, and this beautiful, and I love that you're a, you're a pastor who's at the core of five, but this move to eight. Um, is so indicative of that that pastorly um, authority and presence and that empathy to help rally a group of people. Like I find that such a beautiful such a beautiful move. Yeah, and I really oh my I resonate with that one. Like when I'm when I'm in a spot where life is good, my favorite thing is not to like like I'm in a leadership position, but not to so much be in a leadership position, but to like encourage uh, people uh, like in their own strengths and gifts. Like I like to see people thrive. So when I'm, when I'm in a spot where I am not stressed, where life is good, I really enjoy just helping people to, to thrive with their own giftings. And so Mm -hmm. I really, yeah, I really resonate with that one too. So sadly, this Enneagram is nailing me down rather well. Yeah, I was gonna say I was not that I was hoping for you to disagree with all of these things, but I was I was kind of prepared mentally to go into this episode thinking that you're gonna disagree with a lot of things just because you're not as not as um I forget how you put it. How did you put it? 
you're supremely uninterested. Yes. <laughs> by the Enneagram. So no, this is I'm, I'm, this has been such a uh, such a harmonic no, no. conversation. I do challenge the need to categorize. Is this some sort of postmodern uh, influence here, like that we have to put people into their categories or tribes? Is this like Michel Foucault having his uh, uh, vengeance on us? Um, yeah. Yes, and I'm only- gonna go with. I'm gonna go with yes. That is, that is exactly <laughs> what this is. We just want to know. We just want to know what makes you tick. We want to. We want to put some words to to story and some life experience. That's all. That's all we're trying to do here. Uh, I'm sure there's some underlying philosophy still. So. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Um, this one had our longest feedback, so I'm gonna read. I, I feel bad like editing it out. Like I just want to read it all and then just get your take, Will, before we start to wind it down. Um, so on, on this move to eight, this, this path of security, um, somebody said this, over time I have moved towards eight in security and I'm very comfortable in my role as a head teacher, mentor, and department head in the religious education, philosophy, and humanities department at my school. I was viewed by my colleagues as a thoroughgoing academic and really thrived in my role. Many colleagues would come to me for advice and support, and I worked with several student teachers over the years. I've also been active in many leadership roles in my church community, chair of the communications committee, member of a parish council and the building committee, and so on. I have much more positive relationships now than in my youth. I'm married and I raise three children who are all adults. They're all working and still live at home. I have many straight friends who know that I am more or less a gay man. We talk openly about most issues and I'm very comfortable with them. I also enjoy the friendships I have formed with gay men here in Yab. There are several men here who I have formed close relationships with and whom I trust implicitly with my secrets, confidences, fears, and so on. So there's a potential career path for you, Will, as another five of like being the head of some religious philosophy department. Oh, as soon as you said that, I'm like, I want to be friends with this person. Like, yeah, I was like, y'all, y'all should talk, y'all, if you haven't already. That would be that'd be fantastic. That's he's gonna understand my philosophical references. And like... then married with three kids. There you go, Will. <laughs> your 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 course has been charted. Let's get there. Let's get you there. <laughs> Um, Someone else said this, while I'm doing well, I speak up on behalf of the oppressed or misunderstood, regardless of what people around me might think. And in my better moments, I volunteer my technical experience to help my technologically challenged friends and coworkers set up their tech devices and software. But overall, I'm not the leader type, probably because I need to grow a lot yet. That's something I wanted to ask you about because fives, I think when when you put the five in the box and we go back to the stereotype and not fives being misunderstood like fives may not seem like leaders they might seem like people who are more comfortable in the shadows or in the library or just reading behind a laptop screen or whatever um so this concept of leadership like when is that something that you felt was something you possessed like did it come when you're you know going to school and becoming a pastor or did it come before that did you feel like you had leadership qualities as a child like when did that start to set in because i know in our community leadership is something that we struggle with, I think, with just a lot of woundedness and a lot of sensitivities and a lot of insecurities for sexuality reasons or otherwise. I think that's a common thread outside of fives in our community. So I'd be curious to learn about that. Yeah. And me and my weird nuances here, I really actually struggle with the concept of leadership. So even though I'm in a quote unquote leadership position, um, I don't see myself as a leader. But what I see myself as um is somebody who is 
serving from the shadows anyway. Like, like I think a good pastor is not the CEO sort of pastor, but the pastor that um, helps other people to thrive. That is my uh, big thing. So in, in many ways, yes, I am leading people, uh, but I do it in a more subtle non-CEO sort of way. Um, I, I do it more of, uh, uh, implanting thoughts within people's heads. Like I, I, I love to really think through stuff and present new ideas and really encourage people to dwell on that. Um, so I guess it's more of a grassroots, uh, sort of leadership. Yeah. So not a top down thing. Right. Right. Cause I'm thinking of like, you're not, you're not like, um, no shade to mega churches or mega pastors, but that's not your vibe. <laughs> you're not, not, not at all. You're not, you're not, not that sort of leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like your, I like your, your approach and your description of leadership. I think that's a very biblical model, a very Jesus uh, reflective way to lead. Well, and with a um, that response that you just read about like caring for the oppressed, I. I have a deep, deep concern for, for that within the church setting. And like, mm-hmm. even like my denomination is struggling through LGBTQ issues a lot right now. And like, um, as, as they are like my first response, um, and the main thing that I'm working on right now is trying to get something around on the denominational level to care for LGBTQ people. Like that's, a uh, um, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of oppression there, and uh, a denomination trying to figure out what it means to be side B um, and uh, um, like hold a traditional perspective, but caring for for the gay person. And so those, so I guess I get into that leadership position when I'm driven by caring for people who are oppressed. Yeah, that's such a great example of of that eight path for you of um of seeing the lgbtq community in particular in the church like i think that's such a such a great way to to put a tangible example on on this topic um let's close it out with this uh last comment about relationships um someone said this i long to have someone with whom i can vent my deepest nerdiest doubts to and who would be able to respond in kind at an intellectual level and not think i'm crazy for having a few doubts about god while remaining devoted to living for him. In my quest to understand the world and what's going on around me, I tend to overanalyze conversations and overthink what people may have meant by a random comment or why they didn't reply to my questions. Most of the time it's completely innocuous because they've got other stuff going on or they just have questionable digital etiquette in general. I love that phrase. Um, I like fending for myself. And while I enjoy gifts sometimes, I tend to inwardly groan when I'm given something because then I feel obligated to return the favor and need to decide what to give in return because I'm terrible at picking gifts. It probably goes without saying, but this causes a bit of tension with the twos in my life that want to give me stuff. Shout out to the twos. They love to give stuff. I love the two is my favorite number to pick on. And I try to, I try to scale back because twos are so great. And I love the twos, but they're just so easy to pick on. I'm so sorry. Twos, twos listening. <laughs> to, to the twos out there, just so you know, I despise gifts. Um, <laughs> don't get Will a gift. Because please. that's an extra material item that I don't want to worry about. <laughs> that's very interesting. Yeah. So for fives, even though they have this greedy avarice, whatever you want to call it, like, 
not so much from the fives I've talked to. Again, maybe there's some others out there, but they don't want more stuff. They they're trying to keep their lives organized and they don't they don't need more stuff in their lives. So that's pretty good. We haven't even gotten to that part about if you love a five. That's how, that's how we close the episode. But we'll we'll see if that pops up in that section there. But is that like to the relational point? Like, is that something I love how he put it? Um, someone that you can vent your deepest, nerdiest doubts to. Does that sound <laughs> does that sound like it fits oh, you? Yes. My closest friend, the the one who actually made the joke about if I met an Icelandic theologian, um, uh, he he's somebody that is incredibly intelligent and I get to just dive into um, the, the nerdiest things, but at the same time uh, he is somebody I feel very safe and comfortable around. And I, I, so I do get to dive into my doubts because I think one thing with fives too, or at least in relation to faith, I think we go through a lot of doubts. Um, Like I, uh, in many ways, my faith is driven by my doubts. Um, it's it, they they're doubts that I work through. They're not like um, like uh, um, yeah, they don't stop me from believing. But that's that's constantly what I'm dealing with. So having that relationship where I can dive into those doubts and feel safe uh, about them, not being judged or whatever, I. I deeply, deeply appreciate that. You know, one of my favorite Christian voices and favorite people, it's someone I, I greatly enjoy. I love his books. I love his podcasts. I follow him on social media, but his name is Brant Hansen and he's he's like a popular radio personality. Um, he identifies as a five and he talks about being the most skeptical person that he knows. He constantly is is doubting everything and just questioning. He's constantly questioning things inside and outside Christianity. Um, and at the end of the day, like his doubts, his questions constantly keep bringing him back to the story of Jesus, to the person of Jesus and how he makes sense. He makes sense out of everything. He kind of brings this clarity to to systems and things that don't make sense in the world today, the fallenness of the world around us. And, and I kind of love that nature of the five to to constantly question, to constantly seek truth and seek answers. But hopefully for people of faith, hopefully for people in our community, this, this person of Jesus is so compelling to... Um, to bring a little bit of peace. Not that it, not that all of our questions are answered and that, that, not that we're not allowed to have doubts and we're not allowed to navigate. Um, but I, I love that perspective that the doubts come to Jesus and just bring them, bring them there and um, he can take them. Whenever I have major doubts about faith and I need those doubts to be settled uh, somewhat or the the storm to settle down. I, I just read the gospels. There's something about the teachings of Jesus that remind me like, Oh, this is what I love about Christianity. Or like this past Sunday, I preached on the, the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, in, uh, the book of acts. Um, and there, that story is one of the most precious stories to me because here, here you see somebody, uh, because they're a eunuch, they don't really belong in the God's community and the people of Israel uh, because they can't receive the mark of the covenant. Um, they can't participate in temple worship. Um, and you see this uh, person just being accepted, uh, like as Philip shares the gospel with them and being baptized and being included into community, like just seeing stories like that. I'm like, 
oh, this is this is why I love the Christian faith so much because it's where I am truly loved and accepted. And even even with all the uh, strains that I feel within the church at times, like it's I'm like, oh, this is what it's about here. And and so even yeah, even with my doubts, uh, they they never control me. They never like completely bring me down. And uh, um, and in some ways, I kind of thrive within doubt, which may be strange for some people. I love that. You're a strange person, Will Cooper, but that's fine. <laughs> Wait, what? I had no idea. No, I think fours. I personally think fours and fives are the strangest types on the Enneagram, and that's a good thing. I love. Is I this love why the- we get along so well? <laughs> I think so. I think we have a little bit of a kooky, weird energy that I I enjoy. I don't know if you describe yourself as kooky, but I'll just speak for myself. <laughs> no, but weird. I, I could go there. Weird yeah. is fine. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Um, if you love a five, this is how we close each of our episodes. Well, so these are some suggestions from the website to. S- if you have a five in your life, this is how you can love them. So let us know if this sounds good to you or if there's things you can think about as I'm reading that um, ways that we can love you well, including get, getting you lots of gifts. <laughs> but, but let's read this out. Um, if you love a five, remember, it takes them a few days to logically understand their own and your feelings. And they don't want and likely can't execute the same level of socializing you can. Remember also, however, that their love delves deep and you can find them thinking about you in small, thoughtful acts that take up much of their time and energy. Partners of fives usually pick the five initially for their focus on them, their laid back attitude and their wit and stability. So it's helpful when they don't demand things the five doesn't have as their gifts, such as being the life of the party or being spontaneous, for example. It's also so important to build up a five as they need your encouragement to make it through the often grueling days of processing analytically. Encouraging them to take care of themselves, especially with physical activity, is also advised. Even if they have trauma or illness from the past, remind your five to take it one day at a time, but honor their story and journey when they do finally open up. If they can't share feelings, help them work on this a little with the help of a counselor or a coach, but understand that their feelings are often hard to access. Knowing this, build them up with healthy thoughts about themselves and your relationship frequently, letting them know how strong you think you are, how much you appreciate them, and how much you admire them. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> like, even though, like I said earlier, I don't like it when people like invade my time. Like I, I wrestle with that. Um, when people, like time is like the most valuable thing for me. So when people give me warning of wanting to be with me um, and we set up a time to have a coffee or uh, to go out for drinks or to, to spend some time, um, that is one of the most encouraging things to me because I find time to be a very valuable resource and people setting aside time is way more important than any material gift I could ever get. Um, and so, so when, yeah, so when people give me warning (laughs) to set aside time, uh, it's, it's a very, yeah, it's a very precious thing to me. Um, oh, what was the other thing that you mentioned there? Um, oh, time to process. Uh, like I do have to analyze everything, analyze, uh, 
my emotions and, and my thoughts and, and whatnot. And so like people who are fine with that, if they like people who don't pressure me for like a response or an answer right away, like even, even if it is like to want to hang out, uh, give me time to process that, uh, don't expect an answer immediately. Um, and a lot of fives I know are similar to that. Or if like we have to schedule a Zoom call or record a podcast, like make sure you give Will Cooper a week or two to to put that on the calendar, get that get that out there, you know, return an email, whatever. <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think Tom knows by now that my response to emails and text messages are horrific. <laughs> But, but see, this is the beauty of the Enneagram, Will. It's like knowing that this is how you're wired and knowing that this may not say everything about you, but it gets me, it gives me something to work with. Like, okay, Will, this, this is something that he approaches in a specific way and it helps me show grace to you. And so I've, I've known that about you and it's helped our relationship in a professional sense, if that's what this is called, like planning meetings and wait are and we professionals we're professional <laughs> we are so professional right now um but the the businessy side the logistic sides of scheduling things and recording things like um it's just helped me just have grace for either for you or for other people who identify as fives or don't don't check their texts frequently or whatever you know whatever the thing is like that's well, the beauty about it here's a funny thing and this kind of fits in with what what uh, we just talked about, I turn off all notifications to texts and emails. They overwhelm me. I get stressed out with them. Mm. I can't stand them. But a phone call, I love phone calls. Like it's wow. like I get to spend time <laughs> with a person. Like all the, just, all the fives listening right now are just like shuddering because I, I feel like the fives I've interacted with just hate talking on the phone. So you are, an, you so are, this a, is, anomaly. this is where I differ. <laughs> like I love, I love having a real interaction. Because there you go. If I'm going to spend time answering a text, I would prefer to spend that time talking to a person. So Wow. Okay. So there's there's so much room in this conversation where you fell in line with a lot of the things we talked about. And then that's a big one, I think, that you would... I imagine most fives listening are not as on, on the phone train, but... That's you just know, my perspective. The fives listening, if you could respond, I'm interested to know please if, do. if you agree with me on, on that one. Yeah, please do. That's a great segue to going to our website, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode on the Convo Cast where we talk about being a type five with Will and talk about that, your affinity for talking on the phone or anything else that we talked about on this episode. I would love to hear from you guys how this episode landed with you. Um, well, this was such a great episode as we as we kicked off. I think we successfully kicked off the the head triad. This was very excited. We've only got two of these episodes left, you guys. When we talk about the six and the seven next time, next week we'll be talking to an Enneagram six that you've heard before. So stay tuned for that as we gosh, we start to wind this thing. This thing is really ending. I'm starting to get a, a twinkle, a tear in my eye, Will Cooper. But um, but it's been beautifully, beautifully spent with you today. Well, and you know, even though I'm not an Enneagram person, I've been keeping up with all the episodes and I've oh, yeah? really enjoyed them uh, because I feel like I have gotten to know people in our community quite well. And that's a wonderful thing. That's yeah, that's so great. I'm so glad you've listened. I didn't ask you. I didn't want you to feel like you needed to listen to these episodes to be successful here today. But um, but yeah, no, it's been such a joy. And we this is something I just love to do more often. And I think that's the heartbeat of the convo cast in general is like, I just want to connect with as many of you guys as possible. Whoever wants to talk to me, hit me up. Let's talk. 
We need, we'll need to come up with some new uh, guests and topic ideas after this series is over. I don't even know. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but we'll get there when we get there. Oh, I've been, I've been working on some ideas, so I'll, I'll send those your way. Okay, prepare some poetry readings or whatever, <laughs> and we will circle back Will Cooper outside of this Enneagram series. Thank you for taking the time. I know it's so precious to you. Um, so thank but you for investing that. It's time hanging out with you, so I deeply it was. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and just a few hundred of our listeners, they're just... Don't don't mind them. They're in the they're in the shadows lurking. Oh, the the listeners, like uh, man, I'm sure you're like this guy has weird quirks. Uh, so <laughs> I hope you enjoy them. Uh, we love them so much. Thank you, Will, and <laughs> thank you, everybody. Keep keep it tuned here as we start to wind this thing down. We'll be back next week with the six. So until we cast that next any convo, see y'all next time. Bye.